Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, Undying Light listeners. I am your host, Pastor Alex. We are back at it once again with another new episode for you. Uh, we are uh, now knee-deep in our series, Least of These. We've been, well, we're probably now more like shoulder-deep. We've been doing this for a long while, and we've had a lot of books that we've covered so far in Scripture, most of it being in the Old Testament, and now we are continuing that journey uh, into our next minor prophet. And so we will be in this for a couple of weeks and then we will transition and uh, move on into probably like a, as I think I did last week, we kind of do a bonus episode in the middle or just an episode on something a topic that's kind of pressing um, to kind of break up the book after book after book. And so we want to kind of do something that's just a little bit more outside of the norm on Fridays in between the books of the Bible that we're doing. So we'll be in this uh, next book, which I'll announce in a minute, and we will be in there for a few weeks and then, like I said, take a break and move on. So I, I think that's uh, the best manner, I guess, if you would, um, for kind of constructing the Friday shows. And and I think that helps break up kind of that the the continual roller coaster and it allows you to get a break from listening to, you know, a, a particular book, and it allows you to um, really kind of appreciate some other things. And so we're going to look at a whole bunch of doctrine, and we're going to look at uh, a bunch of different pieces that would fall into, uh, th- you know, those particular books. And uh, we're going to look at other scripture from numerous. Uh, positions within the Lutheran faith and hopes that we can help educate and, uh, um, and get your, you know, the brain itself pumping. So all that to say, we're just actively looking at how we can make Friday's episodes, um, not be such a, a, you know, 
blatant grind, if you would, of just uh, overhaul, but we want to ensure that uh, we are providing edifying content and we're, you know, kind of spreading the wealth of knowledge, if you would. So Tuesdays will continue to be a Lutheran series. We are working diligently through the sacraments, and then we will eventually bridge out into uh, some of the major differences between Lutheran theology and Reformed theology, and then we will progress into some of the deeper trains of Lutheran thought, and we'll, we'll unpack why it is we believe some stuff, and we'll probably be going back to uh, the Book of Concord as a means to dig into that content and help explain why do Lutherans believe these certain things about, you know, maybe justification or sanctification or what did Luther really think on those elements? What did he think on works and all that? And we did an episode last week on good works and we kind of barely skimmed the surface, but we'll get in and dig into those contents uh, much deeper on Tuesday. So as we uh, continue on our Friday series, um, you know, Friday's always got the opening banter, but I'm going to uh, change it up a little bit again this week. We're not going to get too much into the opening banter. We may save it for another part in the show. So we are looking at Habakkuk now. That is our next minor prophet that we will be taking on. Uh, there's three chapters to this book, so it's not as long as Amos is. And we have a guest uh, on the show this week. Uh, well, starting next week when we get into chapter one and she will be reading chapters one, two, and three for us as we will unpack what it is uh, that is going on here in this book. So uh, Habakkuk is uh, a minor prophet, again, only just a couple chapters long, which is a reason why he would be considered a minor prophet. But we should also pay attention to that no prophet is necessarily minor in what they bring to the table. They're just considered minor because their their works are a little bit shorter. Uh, most of them that we've covered so far are only just a few chapters long or one chapter like Obadiah. Uh, Amos is probably the longest that we have taken on. And uh, we still have you know a, a handful more that we're going to work ourselves through in the coming months on the show. But Habakkuk takes place... Uh, circa 605 BC, so it's about 600 and so years before the birth of Christ. Um, so if we kind of paint a timeline for you, we're looking at about 640 to 609 BC. This is the reign of Josiah over Judah. And then in 605 BC, we have Nebuchadnezzar besieges Jerusalem. Uh, in that same period or right around there, Habakkuk is written. Nebuchadnezzar takes captives in 599 BC, and then in 587, the Jewish uh, or the you know, the Jewish temple in Jerusalem is destroyed. So uh, that, that kind of paints us this timeline. We're we're probably going to spend most of our you know views within this book right around the the early 600s, but that gives us a good you know 80 or so year range of what's happening in these major events, who's a part of it and what, what is going on. So uh, if you're familiar with any old Testament, then uh, Nebuchadnezzar is a pretty popular character to come up and uh, we'll dig into probably some of his backstory later on uh, and why he besieges Jerusalem and, and you know who he is and what he's done, but that'll be for another time. So as we get into this, um, into this interesting book, um, we've got just a few people here that are 
the the characters, if you would, of the story. Uh, Habakkuk is our main author. Uh, the Chalcedians and essentially all people. So Habakkuk will be writing this to all of Israel. Uh, this will take place mostly in the Lord's temple in Jerusalem. Uh, Chalcedia, Lebanon, and Timon will also be other locations. Whether or not we dig into those, we'll see as the book unfolds. So the purpose of this uh, little letter or book that we can call it is the Lord shows that he works even through the evil nations such as Babylon to accomplish his good purposes. So I find that interesting because it, it pays us to understand how God operates, but more importantly that even when a nation is particularly evil, like I, I think the United States is certainly far from a godly nation. We have uh, countless babies being murdered every day in, in through abortion. We have uh, child neglect. We have child abuse. We have sexual predators out there, you know, uh, going against children. We've got uh, an evil, corrupt government that sells us out for uh, placement in the world. And that's all been going on for a very long time. This isn't just a new you know, revelation that has happened. This is something that's been taking place here in the United States for a very long time. And, you know, it's interesting. I, I would think being on a Lutheran podcast, I wouldn't have to use a quote like this, but uh, John Calvin actually did get it. I think right with this particular quote, when he says, uh, God will punish a nation by sending him, sending them evil rulers. And I think that's pretty pliable in, in the case of what's happened in the last couple of years here uh, and then previously from other administrations, we've got people who uh, could care less about the American people and more about their bank account and how they can and how they can fluff their 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 money. And so we we have essentially evil rulers because guess what? The American people don't have the power essentially to say what we want to say, even though we have this constitution. And in the constitution, that's quickly being dismantled. As, as quick as possible to uh, take away the free speech, take away our uh, rights to bear arms and all sorts of other rights that we have in, um, from the foundations of this country. So I think it pays us well to know that even though uh, you could probably say the United States has become an evil nation, uh, we've been sold out to uh, the evils of the world. Uh, I still see God working in this place. I still see you know, our church being a wonderful place for wonderful God-fearing people to come and hear the gospel preached. And this is a moment of interesting time that we find ourselves in because we have to really ask ourselves, and I, and I think I said this a few weeks ago, it might have actually been a little bit longer now, but this question that kind of keeps coming up in, in my mind is, you know, if we were to claim allegiance to something, do we claim allegiance to our nation or do we claim allegiance to God? And, you know, the, that's kind of that famous, uh, story that we have probably, I hope have all read the Pilgrim's progress by John Bunyan that shows kind of that notion of being pilgrims passing through this world. Now we can argue and debate on whether or not the pilgrims passing through this world is theologically correct because when we die, we will go to heaven but heaven is in our final resting place because we will have the new heavens and the new earth at the end of times. And so there's a, a lot of theology that can be stacked on that. But I think it pays well for us to really understand 
that we do not belong to the current structure of this world. And so this question that kind of keeps coming back in my mind is, is while I enjoy the freedoms here in the United States, while I still have them, while I enjoy the ability to preach openly about Christ, while I still can raise my kids in the manner that I want to raise them in, teach them the ways that Christ has uh, given us to teach our children and to raise our families. I am going to continue to utilize that for the, the, the privilege, if you would, of what God has given me. And so even though we live in a nation that is increasingly growing dark, and even though we live in a nation um, where I know most of my listeners probably reside, I, I actually have some listeners from around the world. And so uh, you guys may or may not understand kind of the complexities of the American life or the you know Constitution and things like that. You may not understand why we fight for the freedom of speech or why we fight for the right to bear arms, etc. And that's not the topic of discussion today, but what I really wanted to hammer in on is as the Christian, you know, we can enjoy the benefits of wherever we live and it doesn't matter whether it's in the United States or anywhere else. We can enjoy the benefits of living where we are, working where we live and contributing to society in the manner of which we are called to do so, which is to preach the gospel and share the gospel with those around us. And so that to me is the highest command that a Christian can handle or, or take on is to preach the gospel to this ever increasing dark world. So all that to say, yes, I still think God will work through this nation, even though we seem to be captivated by evil rulers and uncertain times with inflation, rising gas being up and all these other uncertainties amounting. So as we look at Habakkuk, we get that demonstration bright front and center, right? We have the Lord working his goodness for the people that he has chosen to save nation of Israel. And again, we know that the Lord doesn't save all of Israel, but he saves a remnant. And we've discussed that on previous uh, episodes around the minor prophets, because we see that Israel and Judah will be judged for their sins and that God will obviously have a, um, a remnant that he saves out of that. So with every book, we've got some themes that pop up. We've got our law. We've got our gospel. Law is always going to be the commands or the things that uh, cause us to act in a certain manner. And so we will see we see God permitting evil to afflict his people. We will see the need for patience. We will see woes against drunkenness and idolatry. And then we will witness God's wrath. Now, this seems like it's a pretty common cultural standing here in the United States, idolatry, drunkenness, evil works, uh, adultery. I mean, all of these things are blatant sins that cascade across the Western world and probably really more or less around the entire globe. This isn't just isolated to America. This, these sins are a global catastrophe because we've got an epidemic of sin in this world. And that is the cause of, of all of the things that is wrong with this world. So with the law themes, we, we will see God's wrath demonstrated against 
all people and we will dig into you know how that kind of uh, uh, is cascading down but as always anytime we read any book in the bible we will always see the the gospel shine bright and sometimes it might it might take us to move a pebble or two here and there to really get it but i think we've done a good job uh digging into the text and examining the gospel because that's the premise to all of our existence. And even in the Old Testament, we have the gospel that shines bright uh, for us. We just need to know how to look for it. And so the gospel will show that even though we have a need for patience, which is would fall under the law and the desire to, to live out that patience, it is God who supplies patience. And so we will see the righteous shall live by faith. We see that God has mercy for his people, faith and joy in the midst of all of our troubles. And so those are things that are promises to us. And so when we start to get into that text, we will see how God remembers his mercy for us. He is uh, gracious in supplying patience and the righteous shall live by faith, which is a text that, you know, is cascading through the New Testament that we are saved by faith alone. So that, interestingly enough, even though the people there are people out there that would argue that the Old Testament people were saved differently or didn't have faith or they were saved by their works, more or less, that has never been the case. Paul makes that notion about Abraham that he was saved by his faith. And here in Habakkuk, we see it, uh, again, demonstrated for us, and we will unpack that as we get into the book next week. Uh, so we've got uh, this prophet Habakkuk uh, waited like a patient scribe or a messenger for a vision uh, that the Lord had promised him. As he waited, he needed the Lord's encouragement and patience, as we will see in chapter 2. And Habakkuk's style is unique among the prophets that he never addresses God's people directly. Yet his message would apply very directly then and now. His homeland, the kingdom of Judah has suffered great threats from the Assyrian Empire. And when the Lord's message came to Habakkuk, it called the Judeans to sober humility and sincere faith, as indicated in chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. Though the Lord would destroy the Assyrians, he would raise up the Babylonians to chastise wayward Judah. So here's what Luther has to say on Habakkuk. This Habakkuk is a prophet of comfort who is strengthened and support the people to prevent them from despairing from the despairing of the coming of Christ. However, strangely things go. This is why he uses every device and the stratagem that can serve to keep strong in their hearts, the faith and the promise and the promised Christ. His message is as follows. It is indeed true that because the people sins, The land shall have been destroyed by the king of Babylon, but Christ and his kingdom shall not fail to come on that account. On the contrary, the destroyer, the king of Babylon, shall have little good out of his conquest, and he too shall perish. For it is God's nature and work to help when there is a need and to come in the midst of a proper season. As Habakkuk's song says, in wrath he remembers mercy, chapter 3, verse 2. Or as the proverb puts it, when the rope holds tightest, it breaks. In the same way, we must support Christians 
with the word of God in anticipation of the last day, even though it appears that Christ is delaying long and will not come. For Christ himself says that he will come when men least expect it, when they are building and planting, buying and selling, eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, as Luke 17, verses 27 and 28 point to. In order that at least some, though not all, can preserve and be preserved in the faith, for in this matter, preaching and believing are essential, as we see it every day. Habakkuk certainly has a name appropriate to his office. For Habakkuk means embracer, one who embraces another and takes him in his arms. That is what he does in this prophecy. He embraces his people and takes them in his arms. That is, he comforts them and supports them. As one embraces a weeping child or person to quiet and and compose him with the assurance that things will get better, if God so will. So, Luther actually has a lot of lectures on the Old Testament, uh, especially the prophets. And so I have all of Luther's works in my Logos Bible software. And so, you know, it notates like where that is taken from. I can actually click on it and it takes me right to whatever Luther's works it's citing. And so that's the great thing with Logos. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I absolutely love the fact that I have all of his lectures on Habakkuk and, and amongst many other things that he's lectured on. Uh, because we, when we look at Luther's works, and I just kind of want to side note this for you. If you look at Luther's works, it's not just commentary on a particular book of the Bible, even though that's what a lot of the works are made up of. It is also lectures and sermons on books of the Bible and different times of the year for the liturgical calendar. And so when you see like Luther's writings, there's certain books that are dedicated to just his sermons on this and that topic or lectures on this book. And so it's not just commentary, but it's a whole plethora or whole variety of work that Luther has done. And so I absolutely have been blessed with the, uh, with Luther's works. I, I think it's, um, they're they're almost in my opinion they're unmatched by the Christian uh, world today. Uh, there's just nobody else that has produced the works like that in such a manner to which one can pick up and read easily. So some challenges and blessings for our readers. The challenge is very short. It's just the problem with evil. So like the prophet Job, Habakkuk questioned why evil existed and why the Lord permitted evil to afflict his people. The Lord's answers may not completely satisfy our sense of fairness or goodness since God's ways transcend ours. So this is kind of a a common thing, especially in today's uh, Christian circle or those outside the Christian circles who want to be angry with why God allows quote unquote evil, even though they have no means to objectively justify God allowing this, that, and the other, or, you know, their, their viewpoint is more subjective versus objective. They don't believe in objective realities or mortality. And so they would reject, uh, anything good that God does because all they see in their eyes is evil. When that's exactly what God tells us in Romans one, that they've been turned over to their debased minds. And so they only see sin and evil, even though they may not call it sin, they may just accept the manner of which it is. And so when we see why God permits evil, it certainly will never satisfy our sense of fairness because we think that in fairness, you know, every person should be quote unquote treated the same way, right? That's kind of the big movement right now is equality for all. But if we talk about 
uh, fairness and in, in reality, especially when it comes from God. If God were to wipe the world today of all people killing everybody, removing all life, all animals, all trees, everything, just cre- going back to a barren rock and starting over. If God did that today, he would still be just and righteous in doing so. But God is far more merciful than just the obliteration of his people because this is why he sent Christ to us so that we may be reconciled to him. So while we may not understand why God permits evil in this time, we know that there are things that God will do in the midst of that evil and call his people to him, call his people to repentance and allow the gospel to spread at uncontrollable rates. And that's exactly why in countries where the gospel or Christianity for that matter is outlawed, the gospel itself spreads so rapidly. The underground church in those countries are overflowing with people. Meanwhile, here in the West, we have to deal with the likes of Joel Osteen and and Stephen Furtick and Michael Todd and all these other charismatic and you know circus performing people because we've been comforted with the freedom, if you would, of religion to preach whatever we want without any question. Because once persecution comes, those people on the charismatic stage, you know, putting on their circus performances, they will be quickly, you know, wiped away. Persecution will allow them the way out, if you would. They will not uh, withstand that because their their whole theme is to put on a performance and to entice one into the the notion of entertainment. Entertainment, and you are now you know, mesmerized by the performances that they're putting on. In fact, I did a video on Instagram the other day of Michael Todd. Uh, he's this really like up, he's a young guy. I don't know exactly how old he is, probably a little bit younger than me. And he's very charismatic in his approach. He's very dynamic. He's a, he's, I'll tell you this. He is a great pre he's a great speaker. Like he has, he has the dynamics and the voice to captivate an audience. He, he is the best Ted talk preacher out there. And, and when I say preacher, he's certainly not preaching the gospel. He's just talking really loudly, but he did a video the other day and it's really kind of bugged me. Um, he's sitting on a couch on stage in you know, a ridiculous get up of an outfit and he's got all this food around him and he's just eating food on the stage. And he's like talking about how people are like, you know, him eating this food. And I'm like, Oh, it just gives me a headache when I see that type of garbage, but people eat it up because they have no discernment for true and right theology. They have no discernment for understanding what God's word is actually supposed to do. Now, if I were to preach a message like on gluttony, which is, I think he was trying to get up, but it didn't really come to, if I was preaching a message on gluttony, I certainly wouldn't be up there with a, with piles of food. Now I'm not saying props are a bad thing, Props can be used in in great manner. I've used props in my sermon preaching before, but they have to be done in the right manner and they should never be the focus of your message because see, when people are watching him on stage, eating all this food, they're, they're going to be paying attention to what he's saying. They're going to be paying attention to all the crumbs falling out of his mouth or, or, you know, whatever he's doing. I mean, it's, it's their, their distractions from the true message. And so I try not to use props that very often. In fact, I probably haven't used a prop in quite a long time outside of maybe holding up my Bible or something here and there. But what I want to get at is 
in this, the West has become so comfortable in preaching that they've lost the gospel and have moved to entertaining. Meanwhile, people like in North Korea, China, and the Middle East, and other countries where the gospel is outlawed, they meet under the cover of darkness. They meet under the cover of uh, abandoned buildings and all this sort because their desires to preach Christ and to share Christ with those who need to hear it. And that's a great, great distinction between the Western church and the rest of the world. So blessings for readers of Habakkuk. As you read this book, the Lord will call you to steadfast faith, even in the midst of persistent evil. The book describes how the Lord works through evil circumstances for our good, just as he worked through Jesus' suffering and death for our salvation. No matter what opposes you, take joy in God for your salvation, who is your strength. All right, so a very short outline. That's three divisions here that we get to look at in this book. Uh, Division one is the debate between Habakkuk and God. This takes the space from chapter one, verse two, all the way through chapter two, verse five. And then this is broken down into two uh, subcategories, if you would, uh, an A and a B, and then some, some more divisions underneath. So under A, the argument about divine justice, this spans verses two through verse 11. Habakkuk's first complaint, lack of justice in Judah. The Lord's response, his plan for avenging evil. And then under that, we will see preparations for retribution. And then we will see a means identified as the Chalcedians and then the Chalcedians described. And then the second part of this first, uh, this first division is the second argument. This spans verse 12 in chapter one through the uh, verse five in chapter two. So we have two pieces to this Habakkuk second complaint. How can God look on as the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? And then the Lord's response, his rule is sure. And then he will rule or he will judge the wicked in his own time. Division two is broken up into five categories. Uh, The Lord's justice is certain woes to the arrogant oppressors. This spans from chapter two, verse six through verse 20. And then we have broken it down into the, the plunderer plundered. This is verses six through eight, the fortified dismantled verses nine through 11, the citizens crushed verses 12 and 14 through 14, the shameless put to shame verses 15 through 17, the idolater silenced verse 18 through 20. And then all of chapter three, is the final division, Habakkuk's uh, Psalm of Submission. So an interesting layout. We are uh, going to dig into it. Like I said, I have a special guest joining us next week to read these chapters for us. And so you'll have uh, the the grace of a better voice than mine reading these uh, these works for you. And I'm hoping that, it, you know, as a patron, uh, some of you who are patrons would uh, offer your, your wonderful voice to reading some of these books. Um, we've got, you can basically pick from any minor profit that we haven't done yet and, uh, and send me your, send me your little, uh, sound clip and we'll, we'll put it into the show. But, uh, until then, if you want to join us on Patreon, be more than welcome to come and support this ministry. We are always looking to grow and we're, we're revamping so much right now. And it's just little, it's little meticulous things that take us a long time to kind of get through, but I've got a good group of people who are helping me. Uh, I got some people kind of revamping the website and we're reestablishing certain criteria. And uh, so they're actively working 
um, to help me kind of catapult the patron uh, exclusive works. In fact, as I get done recording here in about an hour and a half, we're going to do a Zoom meetup. And so we're just going to have a discussion. I don't know who's going to join tonight. I've got a few people that have uh, have said that they would, and some people said that they can't. But it's just something that we do spontaneously. Uh, we try to give you as much heads up, obviously, because I don't want to just drop something on you. But we we try to meet make these happen. We do Bible studies, and this Sunday we're going to have another Bible study um, in Romans. And so by the time this episode airs, that will already uh, conclude. But w- during the summer, we try to do one a month. During the fall, winter, and spring months, we do uh, a Bible study every other Sunday night. And I would like to do it every week at my church, but my church is not quite there yet. But I'm getting them there. So that could be something coming in the in the future, a weekly Bible study. Then we can really cruise through books because uh, we'll be able to do uh, big, big books in, in a shorter period of time versus we've been in Romans for, oh, eight months now. So we're only at chapter eight. But uh, so good things coming. I, I really hope that we can make that happen. Um, and you can join us for those Bible studies via Zoom as a patron. And, and it only costs a dollar a month. I'm not out seeking a, you know to make money off of this. I'm just looking to help pay for the bills that come from hosting a podcast. And so everything I do is 100% listener supported. So I appreciate everything you guys do. And even if you can't contribute to us financially and you want to help support the show, please subscribe to whatever platform. If you have the ability to leave us reviews, please do so. Share this message out with so many others in hopes that this platform will continue to grow. Uh, As I mentioned, as I was reading through how Luther wrote on Habakkuk, uh, I really uh, appreciate Logos. Like I I have it up on my screen right now. Um, In fact, as I get done recording this, I'm going to record another episode in the sacrament series. And so I've got my book of Concord. I've got my study Bibles up. I've got my ESV Bible up. And then in fact, I can go and look at all these other different translations of the Bible because I have them all in one central location. So logos.com forward slash undying light. Each month we have new promos and new discounts running, whether it might be a bigger discount on a particular package or discounts on old packages or discounts on study bundles or, or commentaries or anything like that. The logos is always doing something big each month. And so it just changes. Uh, so pay attention. If you follow me on Instagram and watch, uh, for those, uh, post because I will tr- I, I try to share share it on the first day of the month and then I will share it per, uh, periodically through my through my stories so logos.com forward slash undying light all lowercase one word and you can get yourself some free books when you uh, purchase a logos package and I think you can get like fundamentals which is like their base package for like 50 bucks and that will give you uh, it gives you a few Bibles and some commentaries to start with. It's 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 not a complex library, but it gives you literally the fundamentals to start building your library. And for fifty bucks, it gives you a lot of tools right there. And so, um, I I highly recommend grabbing Logo. So. That's going to wrap this week, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you guys enjoy this episode and i hope you guys are enjoying this journey through the old testament as we kind of take on these books that are not preached on often uh we might even as at the end of this series we might even get into some of the history of israel and we'll look at 
uh, Joshua and first and second Samuel, first, second Kings, first, second Chronicles. And we'll look at the history of Israel because I think that will, uh, and we may do it from a high level. We won't, we may not get into the, the mid, the nitty gritty of the mud. I haven't decided yet, but I just was just thinking like that would be a really good thing to do as well to just go through and we'll do a separate series. We won't incorporate it in this one. We'll title it the history of Israel or something like that. So keep your eyes open for that. Every Tuesday we have new episodes on the sacraments right now and uh, and soon Lutheran theology. Every Friday is a new episode, whether it's a book of the Bible or a doctrinal topic or, or conversation. Maybe it's a roundtable uh, round panel discussion. Who knows what it'll be. Those will always be mystery episodes, but at the end of each book we will have that week of pause where we will drop mystery episode and then we'll continue on with another book. So guys, thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoy this. We will see you next week. God bless. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.